In the past few years, we've heard the term free agents and been told we would all need to become one in order to succeed. The recent economic structures have helped to promote this concept as reality. Where do we get the tools to take control of our career path in the present and future? Welcome to The Career Confidant with your host, Marie Zimanoff. Marie and her guest experts are here to provide you with the tools you need to move forward and achieve your career goals. Now, here is Marie Zimanoff. Hello, and welcome to The Career Confidant, and we're glad that you're joining us here today, and you're going to be glad that you're joining us because we've got a guest. Melanie Denny, and Melanie is a resume writer and a business strategist who also helps other resume writers grow their business. And Melanie, one of the big issues that you've been working with people and recently quoted in a Forbes article is also on salary negotiation. And so I'm excited today for us to talk a little bit about how resumes and salary negotiation are actually related when people don't think about that. So thank you for joining us here today. Thank you for having me. I love this topic a lot. (laughs) Yeah, well, I saw your quote in Forbes and giving people great information, but we'll kind of start here at the beginning. Why is a resume uh, important in salary negotiation? Like, people probably think those two things aren't really that related, but they are, and, and I'd love for you to just share some of your thoughts on that. Definitely. Um, first of all, the resume is the first impression that an employer gets of a candidate, right? And so from the resume, they're gleaning certain pieces of information and forming a perception of this person. And a resume can make you look, for lack of a better word, like a cheap hire, or it can make you look like top of the scale in terms of salary. And that perception is going to basically carry through the entire interview process. So they're already having preconceived notions based on how you present yourself on paper, and that's going to set you up for the salary conversation. Yeah, and how does LinkedIn factor into this? As you were talking, I'm just thinking, you know, people see your LinkedIn, but your resume follows you a little bit more throughout the process, so that is very important. But how do you think the LinkedIn profile factors into this as well? Oh, it definitely does. The resume and the LinkedIn, they go hand in hand. Um, Some even think that the LinkedIn is going to replace the resume. Not sure about that quite yet, but um, you definitely want to have a good presence on LinkedIn. You definitely want to make sure that you're putting yourself out there as someone who is valuable. And when I mean, when I say valuable, I mean someone that's literally going to come into an organization and add to the company's bottom line. That could be directly or indirectly, right, through leadership of people or through implementation of processes or through, you know, cutting costs. Um, and I think being able to show that you are a thought leader in your field or someone who is an expert at what they do you can have that perception curated on LinkedIn, right? So you can allow LinkedIn to help you position yourself as someone who is, again, top of the uh, range in terms of salary. Yeah, and let's circle back to that because I think there's a relationship piece, too, that LinkedIn brings in. But on the resume or the LinkedIn profile, it starts with this content piece that you've been kind of hitting on here in terms of being able to show your value. So what are some of the things that people can do in their resume to really show that they will bring value to the organization? Yeah, so one of the biggest things is showing proof that you're good at what you do because typically people can gauge what you're probably going to do based on what you've already done, right? So having good success stories um, that are um, data-driven, you know, they have metrics that really validate the outcome, and having that in plain black and white in the resume written out clearly is really going to help paint that picture of the value you're bringing. So, for example, if you are able to, you know, like I said before, cut costs, Tell us success stories and examples of how you were able to do that 
in a prior organization. Because if you're able to come into my organization and cut costs, that is valuable to me. And therefore, from the resume, I can probably gather that you're probably going to be able to repeat that success in my organization as well. And sometimes people have trouble coming up with the specifics or the data or details. What are some of the tips or tricks that you could give people to to write those stories and really make them strong? Yeah, so I get this a lot. Sometimes people literally, they feel like, well, I don't know. I'm not in sales, so I didn't bring in X amount of dollars. But there are several other ways that you can show your impact to the business. You know, so for example, if you have helped implement some process or streamline some workflows or basically do things better, you can really break that down and think a little bit deeper into the impact that that made. So maybe before you implemented that, things were taking a month long. Um, and then once that was in- implemented, maybe now it takes two days, right? So you can do a little bit of math and create a percentage increase of productivity, and there's a strong bullet that shows impact, right? So it's really about digging deeper into what you have done um, and go beyond the surface of just the task and really think about when I did this, what changed in the organization? Um, And then think of that in terms of bottom line impact. So, again, saving money, right, retaining customers, increasing customer satisfaction, all the things that businesses care about, which probably are tied to money, all tied to money. So just kind of figuring out what it is that you've done that will show that you made some impact to that business. Yeah, and there's so many opportunities to do that. And like you said, sometimes people will say, well, I wasn't involved in sales. Well, then the position you're applying for probably isn't related to sales either. So I often tell people, you know, think about what results this current position is going to need to to produce and talk about how you've produced those results in the past. As you said, it might be customer retention. It might be, I mean, graduation rates for a principal or, you know, everybody's got their metrics and that's what you're just trying to dig into make those connections. Exactly. Yeah. And another thing, too, is really being able to differentiate yourself, right? So if you are someone that does a certain job, let's say marketing, for example, you have to really start to learn and understand what makes you special or different or unique as a marketing professional from your peers, And really being able to articulate that in a resume can help you to stand out and position yourself for a higher salary as well. Yeah. And I know that sometimes when we think about what makes us unique, people kind of get fluffy, right? Well, I'm results-oriented or I'm, um, I don't know. Do you have any thoughts around how people can talk about how they're unique without getting all fluffy? (laughs) Yes. I, I mean, <laughs> when I ask this question, sometimes it's, well, I'm a hard worker or I've been doing this for 15 years. Yeah, well, so are all the rest of the people who are in the running, right? So it's important to understand the fact that these things, like being a hard worker, you know, or doing this for a long time, they are not special. Those are prerequisites to even get in the door to have a shot. Um, so now it's time to dig a little bit deeper than that. And, it, you know, this is going to take a little bit of, you know, soul searching, if you will, but really being able to dig deeper into the thing that you do probably better than others, maybe do something in a different way, maybe you're bringing a different perspective, right? Maybe you're always able to generate a certain result or outcome. You know, and it begins with, well, what do some of my peers or maybe my past supervisors, what do they always come to me for? What do they always ask me for help with? Starting there will start to really help people to dig deeper and not just leave it at the surface of, yeah, I'm a hard worker, so that makes me stand out. Mm, Not really. 
<laughs> yeah, and that's hard because it's, it, we got to dig, as you said, you got to dig a little bit deeper and think about it in a different way. But sometimes how you're different is just that collection of your specific stories that shows a theme. And we really don't need the adjectives, right? We just need the stories and the, uh, the, the facts and put them together in a way that shows your your theme, the things that you do every time. And I love that idea. So that one's a, a great point. We are um, talking about how to get your resume to stand out to the point where it positions you for the right salary. And I don't know, I just saw someone posting on LinkedIn, one of our colleagues, that, you know, if you are getting offers and job offers that aren't at the level you want to be at, it means you're not communicating at the level you want to be at, right? It's not that everybody's, everybody else is wrong. It's that we've got to figure out how to change our messaging. So that's really uh, where we're talking today and talking with Melanie Denny, who's one of our speakers at the Career Thought Leaders Symposium. And Melanie, I'm excited. You're going to dive in a little bit more into salary negotiation there. We'll, we'll touch on that here briefly in this session, but we're really focused in on the resume and how we can uh, create a resume that positions us for the right role, for the right salary. And we'll talk a little bit more about LinkedIn as well. So if someone's putting together these, these accomplishments, they've got their stories, what are some of the other mistakes that people make when they're putting together a resume that can make them look lower level than they want to look? Mm. I would say one thing is the, 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 the layout, you know, a lot of times can just make it look entry level where you're not presenting yourself as a high-level professional, right? When you think about documents and and imagery, um, you can tell when something kind of looks lavish or looks expensive, right? And so it comes with, also comes with a little bit of a look and feel and aesthetic behind how you format your document. Um, there's definitely an entry-level layout and feel that I would really caution higher-level professionals to avoid. Um, another thing, too, is, you know, starting with education is one way to kind of put you at um, a little bit of a disadvantage in terms of perception because typically new grads will have their degree first because that's probably all they have or the, the best selling point that they have, and so that goes front and center. You know, just little things like that can make a, a difference, and again, in terms of perception. Um, another thing is really just focusing on the task and the duties, you know, in, in your resume looking just like a job description, if you will. Um, no strategy behind how you're presenting the information, just listing your job without, a, you know, a strong summary. Um, things like that, again, can just make it look a little amateur. And you really want to, again, put your best foot forward and make sure your resume is strong and clear, right? You also want to be clear that, these are the type of positions that I'm best suited for. Um, a lack of clarity, um, you know, typically lower-level professionals, they're not as serious about their role in an organization. They're kind of like, hey, I just kind of need a job right now. Um, if you're more serious about your career, you're typically going to know what you want and have a job target, and, again, make sure that you are being perceived as someone who is polished and well put together and clear in terms of what they're bringing and what they're targeting. Yeah, as you were saying that, I was thinking, too, that we've got the, you know, focus on task or duties, but also focused on the wrong the wrong pieces. So if someone's in sales leadership, yeah, the sales that you made and hitting your quota and those things are important. But if you overemphasize those and don't have enough of your leadership training, your team hitting goals, those types of things, then you don't feel like you're at that leadership level and you might get, you know, beat out by, by another competitor who does focus on those leadership in addition to the sales results or someone's you know, trying to transition, especially make it uh, move up, making sure that they're 
speaking to that level that they want to be at instead of the level that they're at. So we're going to take a break here in just a minute and um, come back, talk a little bit more about this resume and how you make it look at the right level. Also talk about how LinkedIn and how we can use LinkedIn to make sure that we, we are coming in at the right level, the salary that we want to get. And I'm just excited because People don't really understand how all these pieces come together, but if you're getting salary offers that are below what you want, it may be obviously the interview and the salary negotiation, which we'll touch on, but it actually starts with how you're messaging and positioning yourself from the very beginning. So excited to have Melanie Denny here. We're going to take a short break and and we'll come back. If you are a career services provider and you're interested in joining us at our symposium, it's the Career Thought Leader Symposium in Philadelphia, live and in person. Uh, April 10th through the 13th, and you can still register for that, and we'd love to have you join us. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back with Melanie Denny. You know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career. You can have the foresight, skills, and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities. A strategic advantage and career expert, Marie Zimanoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused, get found, and get hired. Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. It's time to take charge of your own career path. But how do you get started? First, tune in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. Each show will feature national business leaders, tips and insight from Marie and her guests, career management tools, and a weekly career smart tip. She'll help you move forward, earn that promotion, get hired into the career you want, and brand yourself. The Career Confidant is broadcast live every Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. You are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at astrategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. Welcome back to The Career Confidant, and we're excited to have you here today. We've been talking with Melanie Denny about how the salary negotiation really starts with your resume and making sure that your messaging and your positioning is at the right level from the very beginning. And we've talked a little bit about the content and making sure that you're speaking to the value that you bring to the company, that you're using the right language to position yourself for the level of role that you want to be at, and that you've got those success stories with data throughout your document to prove your value, but also to create that theme of who you are and what makes you unique. Melanie, we were also talking about the layout piece, and you said, you know, that immediate impression is important. And how would we, what are some of the variations there? I mean, we have, you know, people making Canva resumes. Is that what you're talking about with the layout? If you could give us just a little bit more in terms of what people want to be shooting for to make sure they've got that nice professional, you know, luxury looking look. (laughs) Yes. So there are a lot of very cutesy uh, layouts for resume templates on Canva and Etsy, and they look very nice. At the same time, I've had, you know, and this has been validated by several recruiters that I know, that when they see those, they automatically think entry level. And so, um, you know, you may want to avoid those type of templates, you know, for other reasons as well, some including ACS issues, but you definitely want to keep it more professional um, and not too cutesy, if that that makes sense. Um, You know, uh, one column, you know, throughout the document versus the the half and half columns you know, for example. Um, if you do use imagery, you can definitely do that, but keep it simple with maybe one image at the top, you know, versus the entire document being, you know, pink and blue. Um, and um, definitely just want to, 
there's a fine line, right, between this is a graphic artist who wanted to show off their skills and this is a plain text file with zero effort in terms of formatting, right? So you just, there's a nice middle ground there where, you know, you want to use straight lines, you want to use different uh, maybe borders, um, maybe uh, highlight behind your text, some shading, you know, maybe add a splash of color, you know, stay if you're very professional and corporate just staying with the navy blues, the different shades of blues to keep it safe, um, avoiding too much of a bright color, um, things like that, you know, maybe make your bullets a, a nice accent color. But beyond that, you don't want to go too crazy because you want to make sure, again, that you're putting out the right balance of creativity and aesthetic on a resume. Yeah, and one of the other things that we're hearing a lot, and this has been <laughs> age-old battle in the resume writing industry, is that whole, you know, you need a one-page resume. And what are kind of the standards and pros and cons there of someone in a mid-level or higher going to a one-page resume? Why would they do that? When do they not want to do that? Yeah, you know, one of my, one of our colleagues said this, me years ago, and it always stuck with me, is two pages are better than three, and one page is better than two. So you always want to be as concise as possible, um, but you don't want to feel constricted and leave out pertinent information for the sake of keeping it to one page or two pages, for that matter. I've seen executive resumes that have been very nice, very well laid out. Um, a lot of great information on three pages, right? And to me, that's fine. That's how many pages it took to get the point across and tell the pertinent story. Um, I don't think there is a – first of all, in resume writing, there are no rules, period. You know, I've seen all type of things work. <laughs> and so keep, keeping that in mind, it's really about the strategy as well. If you are a senior professional, the expectation is you're going to have two pages because you've probably been in the job market for quite a few years and you have a lot of success stories to tell, and that's fine. Um, if you are entry level, you know, and you don't have that many stories to tell, it's fine to have one page. But I don't think the focus should be on, oh, this has to be one page or this has to be two pages, but more on what is the most concise way to get my story across um, and then allow the pages to, to flow accordingly. Now, if you want to be perceived as someone higher level, again, the expectation is you're going to have two pages. So yeah. keep that in mind. And it's always dependent on your audience, too, right? If I'm seeing someone that's applying to a hip, cool startup, some of the times even a high-level, well, mid-level person will do a one-page for those types of organizations just because of the culture. But in general, as you're saying, when you're at that mid-level or above, every, you know, every experience that you have had is not even going to make it on two pages. You're going to have to be strategic and make sure that you include just what the stories you need to include and to even get it onto two pages sometimes at those mid-levels. And uh, just really thinking about the audience there. So let's switch over here and talk a little bit about LinkedIn. You brought that up earlier that LinkedIn is a place where you can share your thought leadership and that that thought leadership and, and the digital brand, if you will, that you can build on LinkedIn can help you get that salary that you want. Tell me a little bit more about how that works and what you meant by that. Yeah, so uh, there's a lot of potential opportunities that's lying within LinkedIn's platform. Um, and I've seen several times where, you know, candidates, are not applying, right? They're not on, on Indeed applying all day. They're on LinkedIn showcasing their knowledge, their skills, their expertise, um, giving their opinions on certain things happening in the industry that they're in, um, you know, sharing articles and, and just several different ways of putting themselves out there as an expert. 
which has literally led to job offers, right? And when you when you are perceived as someone who is an expert or a leader in your industry, a thought leader, you do things a little bit different and you, you put that out there into the world on LinkedIn, people take notice. And if a CEO sees you putting out content that is valuable, that is thought-provoking, and has the perception that you are someone who can make an impact in their organization, they're going to be willing to pay you top dollars to come in and do just that. And so I think being very intentional with how you put yourself out there on LinkedIn can really, really change the game and help you to, you know, attract job offers at a higher level. Because, again, you know, that thought leadership is definitely something that people are looking for now, and I think it's something that they see that's valuable to them. And um, it just starts with you just kind of finding your voice, being true to who you are, right, as a professional, and speaking your truth. A lot of times it comes from being authentic. You know, that's what it usually boils down to is that authenticity piece is very, very attractive now. Um, and so that's definitely something I've seen happen a lot, quite a bit on LinkedIn. Well, and especially for anybody in a leadership role, companies are looking for someone that can help them build brand visibility because they want to attract talent. They want to, you know, get visibility for their marketing, their products or services. And so there's really no downside to the company for someone that has a good, strong brand. And this is one of the myths, I think, that still I hear people say, you know, oh, if I'm on LinkedIn and active, my boss will think I'm looking for a job. You know, what are your thoughts on on that? And how do you help your clients see that that's not the case? Yeah, so I think I'm seeing less and less of that now because LinkedIn has definitely evolved from just a job search platform, right? But when I still get that question, my response is, well, if you're worried about that, just be upfront with your boss. Say, hey, boss, you know, I was thinking that I should really um, get my profile up to par. I want to definitely start using it more. And I think it would be beneficial for our company, for for me, to put myself out there associated with your brand um, to help maybe even bring in new partnerships or new clientele. Um, So, you know, just a heads up. And I think we all should do that, right, and get their buy-in versus just showing up on LinkedIn updated with a whole updated profile, and that will raise, you know, a little bit of an eyebrow potentially. But I think that's a good approach to just be a friend and let them know, like, I'm doing this for the benefit of not just me as a, you know, individual, but us as an organization as well. Right. And to be able to um, to share those benefits with the company. And most companies today, like I said, are, are getting it. And uh, they're looking for people inside the company to help them do their brand ambassadorship, if you will. So there's an opportunity there. Well, Melanie, I've really enjoyed listening, and you've got such great ideas, and we've talked a lot about how people can position themselves to be seen at the right level, get it, get in into the right doors. How can people follow you and see the other content that you're sharing, and where, where would you recommend that they go and find you? Um, this may come as a surprise, but LinkedIn. <laughs> I'm on LinkedIn, Melanie L. Denny. Um, I'm there. I share a lot of tips for both job seekers and resume writers. So you'll see a little bit of a mix there. Excellent. And you uh, you support resume writers as well in their growth. What What's the name of your organization that they might check out if we've got resume writers listening? Yes, Society of Elite Resume Writers, as the name of my my group. Um, we also have a website. So um, there's a website with a directory of resume writers. So if you're looking for a resume writer, you can definitely go there. It's just societyofeliteresumewriters.com. Um, and so if you're looking to join, you could go to societyofeliteresumewriters.com slash join. Um, and that would be how you would connect with us. But we're 
doing a lot of great things. We have an annual conference, a virtual conference for job seekers uh, every September in honor of International Update Your Resume Month. So that's coming up this year, and I'm just excited. We have a lot going on. Yeah. Well, and speaking of conferences, of course, I'm excited to see you in person in Philadelphia yes. in April for our yeah for our International Career Thought Leaders Conference. And we do have some people coming internationally, even though it was one of our attendees said it was the most expensive ticket that she's ever purchased. So we're excited to get together. It's been two long years, and um, I'm I'm so looking forward to seeing you there and hearing more about the salary negotiation side of things. So thank you so yes. much for joining us, Melanie. And um, we're going to say goodbye to Melanie, but we'll be right back here again on The Career Confidant in just a few minutes. Thank you. What sets apart VoiceAmerica.tv from the other video content providers on the Internet? Choice and flexibility means that you can host your video content live or on demand on the main VoiceAmerica.tv channels through your own branded media player or your own private TV channel. We support multiple media formats, so all of your video content can be in one place. We offer a number of advertising and video packages. For more information, visit VoiceAmerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at a strategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. Welcome back to The Career Confidant. And today we were talking with Melanie Denny. As about salary and how salary really starts with the resume and your LinkedIn profile. And this is important because a lot of times people will say, you know, I'm not getting the offers at the level that I want or, um, you know, I'm not getting the offers that I think I should get or we're going through the interview process. And you may not think about it because it was three weeks ago that they saw your resume, but we were talking about how that just sets the tone and there's some psychological research around people create that first impression of you, and it may be on LinkedIn, it may be your resume, depending on when they meet you during the hiring process, if they're the, you know, the screener, or if they don't see you until they see your resume before your second interview, they are going to form that initial impression of you based on a very quick skim of your resume or your LinkedIn profile. And when they interview you, uh, you know, they're just very, they're not very likely to change their mind. So if your resume appeared to them to be not at the level that they are wanting to hire, but maybe you interview well and they think, oh, yeah, you you could do the job, they're still going to offer you a lower salary than what you could deserve or what, what you could get because that initial impression kind of clouded it. So we think about um, hitting the sweet spot. One of my colleagues that I worked with ages ago said, you know, don't overdo, don't overshoot the runway. So there is a sweet spot here, and you want to think about matching the level, the types of accomplishments, the job duties that the job is looking for. So if you've got 30 years of you know, software development experience, but now you're applying to a help desk role, if you overdo it, they're not going to bring you in because you look overqualified and they worried you'd be too expensive. You just want to find that sweet spot of showing your value that relates directly to the value that people who are hiring are expecting from this role that they're hiring right now. We don't want to overdo it, and we definitely don't want to not show that value, which is where most people, 90% of people on their resume just don't show any value. They list duties. They talk about generalities. 
they talk about, you know, in very job description language, instead of getting some specific stories about this is how I solved problems. And if you can't speak to dollar figures, just look for anything specific that you can speak to, even if it's one story about salvaging a customer relationship, something that you have a result, you have a tangible result. The best case is that you can quantify it. That's not always possible. You're just thinking about what is that result. There's a lot of different tricks of the trade that people talk about when they talk about stories. You know, you've got your star situation, task, action, result. I tend to use challenge, action, result, one, because it's three parts and three parts are easy to remember, and two, because challenge tells me what was going on, what made it difficult, what made that harder, because when you get that context, the story brings a lot more power. And you can get that same kind of power on the resume that then you're going to practice for the interview where you get that context of the challenge and what was going on. And then the result makes all that much more of an impact. So if I tell you, you know, I'm in sales and I hit 100% quota, that's great. Everybody does, you know, or they get fired in sales roles, right? So tell me why that was difficult. Well, I hit 100% of quota in the down market or when we were making a transition or at the end of life of a product when, you know, things typically fall off in terms of sales, you've got to give me some of the context because that lets me see that you deliver value even in difficult situations or whatever it might be that relates to your audience's problems, pains, challenges. That's our goal. And when we do that in whatever setting it might be, so if you're, you know, a school counselor, graduation rates, or whatever those metrics are that fit for your situation, you want to be able to tell stories that make those connections known right away with specifics and active, clear stories that demonstrate your role. And Melanie talked a lot about that. And knowing your value is communicating it in your resume and profile, of course, but also then you're going to communicate it in an interview, and it's just going to be clear to you. You're going to bring that confidence of, hey, I, I can do this. I know I bring value, and put yourself in a better mindset for your salary negotiation from the very beginning, and this is critical. Then, uh, you know, one of the things Melanie gave me in her little outline for her presentation at the symposium is about confidence. And confidence is huge when people are negotiating salary. It, it means that you're either going to ask or you don't feel like you can. And we've got to figure out how you can know your value, be able to communicate it, but have that confidence that you have a, you have a position to negotiate from. And oftentimes people don't feel like they do because maybe they're transitioning. Maybe they've been out of work for a while. Maybe they really need a job or they really need a raise. And those mindset failures really can get in our way of getting what we what we are deserved, what's you know, a good compensation for the role because we're in our own head about it. And that really starts with this foundation of putting together your marketing, your messaging, understanding who your audience is, what, they, what their pains are, what they're looking for, and then making sure that you're connecting the dots, that you are, your messaging from the very beginning is at the right level, showing them that you can do the job that they're looking for and showing them that you can bring the value that they need someone to bring to that job. And remember, as we talked about briefly, that this is not about adjectives. It's not about describing yourself as successful or describing yourself as delivering results. It's about showing it and having those success stories. And within those success stories, talking a little bit about your style, your approach, your philosophy, that's going to come in when you choose the actions and the the meat of the stories that you tell, 
that will come through there and in how you put those pieces together. And as Melanie was talking, you know, when you've got someone, when we've got clients that are looking to take a step up, you really want to make sure you're telling that story in the future language. So I was working with an engineer recently who wanted to move into product management, and we've got those engineering stories, developing products, et cetera, but they have the marketing and customer connection pieces in the story. And so we're going to choose to emphasize those instead of the engineering-specific skills because that's the future. That's where we're going. And so especially if you're making a transition, you're trying to take a step up, you want to think about what part of this story speaks to what's important in this next role and how can I highlight that instead of the pieces that maybe were more to the role that I'm in right now. So always thinking about that future and your audience and what they need to know to show that you can bring that value. We're going to take a short break, and we'll be right back talking about how to position yourself for that desired salary here in just a few minutes. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. And career expert Marie Simonoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused, get found, and get hired. Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. What sets apart VoiceAmerica.tv from the other video content providers on the Internet? Choice and flexibility means that you can host your video content live or on demand on the main VoiceAmerica.tv channels through your own branded media player or your own private TV channel. We support multiple media formats, so all of your video content can be in one place. We offer a number of advertising and video packages. For more information, visit VoiceAmerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at a strategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. Hello, and we are about finished up here with this topic on The Career Confidant, talking about how you can maximize your salary by starting with a clear message, that position where you want to move in the future. We've been talking about the resume and the content and making sure that you're really connecting the dots. Now, I just want to circle back here in our last few minutes to talk about social media and digital branding and, of course, specifically LinkedIn. So LinkedIn, as as we, we talked last week with Mark Bartz, and he was sharing about how LinkedIn is so powerful in your job search, but LinkedIn is also just a great way to build your brand, build your visibility for what you want to be known for. And sometimes, you know, the word personal branding, we, we're kind of over it. It's been used a lot. But the whole idea behind it in personal branding is that you know what you want to be known for and that you have a clear idea of who needs to know you, and you're connecting those dots. So on LinkedIn, it might look like researching the current companies in your industry, your partners, your suppliers, your vendors, if you're currently working. If you're job seeking, it might also be your target companies, the companies you'd like to work for. And you're starting to engage in conversations with other individuals at those organizations. So when you look at their companies, 
who is active and how can you contribute to those conversations. Most people start out commenting instead of creating their own content, and that is perfectly fine. That's a great place to start. You can still create your thought leadership even by commenting on other people or perhaps even other organizations' posts because you are starting to engage in those conversations, share your opinion, and again, I recommend that you do that without being overly confrontational. So even if you have a differing viewpoint, you can share that without kind of pointing out and and making a big deal of the fact that you have a different viewpoint. So, you know, I I would add this, and then it's opposite of what the person says, right? Or perhaps even, you know, there's some caution around that because of this. So instead of saying you're wrong or whatever it might be, you're adding your viewpoint and adding your thought leadership in a collegial value-add way. The same way you might if someone said that to you in person and you didn't agree with them, you know, what would you say to start the conversation and start a dialogue without making it a conversational, confrontational, you know, uncomfortable conversation? Then you also start to get ideas about what is being talked about in the industry. And I really encourage you to save those comments somewhere. So start a Word document, start a link, you know, whatever it is, an Excel file where you copy and paste those comments because oftentimes those comments will turn into your own post. So someone's talking about some trend in your industry and you've got a really specific opinion about that. You want to capture that in your comment, capture it somewhere else, and then turn it into your own post. Great to share other people's content. I highly encourage you to share their links, but don't let the article preview show up. So this is kind of getting in the weeds here on LinkedIn, but if you're going to share an article, even on Facebook, it's okay to put the link in the post. There's kind of a myth that that's not okay, but it is. But what you don't want to do is let that preview image populate because that preview image tells a reader that, hey, you know, Marie's just posting this article. I don't have time to read the article, so I'm going to skim past. Whereas if I put my own content in, here's my opinion, here's my thoughts, here's the salient points. I can drop the link to the article, but not allow the preview to show up. Then people will see it as a regular post. They'll read the post, and then they'll see the link to the article is there. And if they're interested, they'll click over to the link. Now, if you're really trying to get people to go to a blog or whatever, you can put that preview up. The post won't get as many views, but the article will get more views because the article preview is there. So there's really no right or wrong way. It's just what is your... Um, what's your point with that post? And if your point with the post is to get engagement, to have people respond and, and then communicate right there on that post and comment, then you don't want to allow that link preview to show because you'll get very few people stop and read it because they assume there's nothing that they can engage with unless they read the article and they, nobody has time for that. But when you share, someone else's content, tag them. This is a great article by this person. I like these points. Here's what I would add. And then you drop the link, X out of that preview so the preview doesn't show when you post it. And now you've got a conversation going with that person that created the original article. It's a great way to build relationships, to get your own post going, because it it brings in that person's followers as well. And it builds your thought leadership because it shows you know what's going on in the industry. You're paying attention to those key industry publications and that you've got your own thin thought value that you're adding on top of whatever your, your colleague in the industry may have posted in their original work that you're sharing. Now, how does this all relate to salary? 
it all adds up. It's all those little drops in the bucket that position you for where you want to go, catch the attention of the decision makers that you want to meet, build your network so that you've got those inside referral cheerleaders when you do apply or when there is an opportunity. And of course, it gives you that confidence that, hey, I do have things to talk about. I do have a a community and a position in this industry. And if you're just changing industries or you're thinking about changing roles, you can start having these conversations with the new industry at the new role level. And it kind of gives you a little warm-up for your messaging, for your interview. And not only does it build those relationships, but it gives you practice and content that you can use when you start having the conversations at that new level. Um, you know, LinkedIn, has been hard lately. I mean, it's hard for everybody right now. It's hard with COVID. Now it's hard with, with the war going, going on. And I'd encourage you, if you're struggling, and one of my colleagues is struggling, is how do I post? How much do I post? Is it insensitive if I post? And so if you're feeling that, just start commenting more. See what other people are posting. See what's going well for other people so that you can get some inspiration, you can get some ideas, and you can stay engaged without having to, you know, feel paralyzed because you're not sure what to post right now. I think we all want to be, uh, you know, sensitive to the fact that there's a lot going on in the world right now, and, and that doesn't mean that we want to disengage from our virtual communities going on right now. And, um, you know, we're looking forward to this in-person conference and maybe because of everything that's going on, really looking forward to that opportunity to see people in person. So I'd also encourage you, no matter what your industry or what your situation, whether it's virtually or those in-person opportunities that are coming back, to really look at is there ways that I can reconnect meaningfully with my community right now? You know, we all got the Zoom fatigue, and uh, we backed off a little bit in our in our networking, and now it's time to come back to find your people, your professional people, as well as your personal people, and, and rekindle those relationships, reconnect to your opportunity to build relationships, because those are really going to be the most important thing for your career moving forward. Well, we look forward to seeing you right back here again on the Career Confidant. We'll have more great guests to help you take control of your career. Thank you for listening to The Career Confidant. Marie Zimanoff will return again with another terrific guest next Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Be sure to join us then. Thank you.